0: what's up everyone welcome to the life livers academy i'm jamie o'donnell and the purpose of this podcast is to connect you with the people ideas mindsets and inspiration to empower you to chase your dreams unlock your potential and live life to the fullest each day get ready for some inspiring conversations and incredible insights from people who are out there living life having fun and dominating their chosen path i appreciate you tuning in now let's get this episode underway It's uh, my pleasure to introduce uh, my guest with me today, uh, David Letelli. Now, many of you will probably have heard of Dave through his uh, work with Brown Butterbean and the BBM Motivation Group, but uh, Dave's story is quite phenomenal. Uh, not only has he lost over 100 kilos in weight and gone on to inspire tens of thousands of Kiwis to uh, take control of their health and their life, but he has a professional boxing career which was, which was staged uh, very much in the public eye. Uh, during that weight loss journey, Dave was thrown into the boxing ring and uh, went on to have a career of 20 professional fights, 16 wins, 4 losses, uh, most of that done on pay-per-view TV for the whole nation to see. During that time, he lost that 100 kilos and started Brown Bean, uh, brown Butterbean Motivation, uh, has run the largest, uh, world's largest boot camp, <laughs> which was done at Eden Park, uh, and is currently inspiring hundreds of thousands of Kiwis. Uh, around the country to get moving and take control of their life during one of the most stressful periods that the, the nation has been through So Dave, it's my pleasure to have you on bro. I've followed your journey for a long time You're an absolute inspiration and uh, I can't wait to to chat to you and uh, yeah Dive into some of the mindsets and some of the experiences that have led you to where you are today
1: Hey, thanks Jamie. That was uh, one of the best intros that uh, has ever been done. You've obviously done your research very well So I, it's look it's great to be here and, and share and if, if my story can Uh, Reach some new ears that haven't heard of what we do, you know, it's it's a blessing
0: That's right, man. First things first, mate It's been a crazy couple of weeks uh, around the world, New Zealand in particular. We're in lockdown right now with the coronavirus Um, What, how has it impacted you? How are you doing bro? You're someone who carries a lot of people um, You've got a lot of responsibility on your shoulders You seem to have stepped up into just a natural leadership position during all of this and the way that you've led has been quite amazing how are you doing? And what have you learned about yourself over the past few
1: weeks? Um, I'm doing fine. You know, we've got four kids at home, which is, uh, can be a challenge. Um, but look, you know, we're doing a lot better. And, you know, there's a lot of people doing it a lot tougher than what we are. And as far as, you know, we went into, we started going virtual a good 10 days before we were locked down. You know, I like to lead by example. And so I, I believe it's the only true way of leadership if you're a good leader, you lead by example, not just by by words, but by actions. And uh, we went online and straight away uh, started doing all of our virtual boot camps. We canceled our world's biggest boot camp and then canceled all of our regular community sessions, which see you know around 2,000 people a week coming. Uh, so it was very important for us to straight away, to be no lag, to straight away, once we canceled the community sessions, that day we had to have an online session. And that's what we did. And now, you know, the amazing thing, bro, is that now we're seeing, you know, we're reaching literally a week hundreds of thousands of people compared to the physical boot camps where we see 2,000 plus, which is amazing. But man, it's just showed me like there's a whole, this is a whole new thing we're going to do now. Even when we come out of this, we're going to still do these online virtual boot camps because there's a lot of people that need BBM.
0: A hundred percent, bro. It's more important now more than ever. And, Uh, even just following i mean you know i've spent most of my life around the fitness industry in some way shape or form and for me personally fitness uh has always been secondary and training has always been about mental yeah uh mental health mental fortitude i think a lot of the adversity that i've faced in my life uh fitness has helped me deal with it and i know that that's the same for you it's so important the bbm movement right now because a lot of that message is what you preach anyway but people are probably coming to realize it more than ever right now would that be accurate? 100%
1: man you know when we went into this there was a lot of people were really you know obviously really sad and upset that because not the exercise that people were going to miss it was the connection so people come to BBM it might be the that hour or 45 minutes of a day that might be the only time they're surrounded with positivity uh, and people that are on the same path as them so you take that away from someone you know it's 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 massive it's a hard thing to take away and that's why we went online but what we talked about was look this is what we've been training for our training is yes exercises our vehicle but everything we teach while we have people there it's around mindset so an, an example of it's a really our finisher the finisher of the session is always really tough and we say yes it's hard but so is life you know life is hard that's why we train the way we do so the message that got sent out from us and all me and my team leaders is this is moments like this that we're going through right now. This is what we've been training for. You know, like going into a big fight. This is what we've trained for to be able to handle situations like this. Uh, and, you know, and, and we are, you know, so it's a, it's an amazing thing.
0: That's incredible, man. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree with that more. I think uh, boxing something that we'll touch on because I think that it's a phenomenal sport in terms of bringing the best out in people and obviously, uh, you know, learning to overcome adversity and go to dark places and, and understand what you're made of. But we'll touch on that afterwards. I want to, we'll, we'll come back to uh, to, you know, all the fitness stuff and what you're doing at the moment. I just think that for people to truly appreciate your story and, you know, people see you where you're at now and they see you leading, you know, and doing tens of thousands of people online and and the Butterbean uh, Motivation Group and what it's become. But to truly appreciate that, you have to understand where you started and where you came from. And I know that your background has a lot of adversities and there's a lot of lessons that you learned early that have enabled you to be the leader that you are today. Can we go right back to the start? Your dad was in the mongrel mob. You, You know, he was the president from what I understand. Uh, at a time there. What was childhood like for you? And what was it like growing up in that sort of environment? How has that
1: forged you? Oh, you know, I, I believe that everything I've gone through, I've gone through for a reason. Um, everything I went through has led me and made me the person I am today to be able to be a better leader. But look, you know, my father was the president of the Auckland chapter. Uh, and, you know, obviously, life was. the thing is, is that everything I went through as a kid, I never thought any different because that was just normal. You know, a lot of that I blocked out. I, I actually don't remember much of my childhood. The first memory, the one thing I really do remember from the days of my dad in that life when I was young was when my our house got raided. Uh, when, you know, uh, the police came and they took all of my Christmas presents. Me and my sister, my late sister Vicky. Um, they come over and they raided our house and took all our Christmas presents. So that was my first memory of the police. No wonder I hated the police for most of my life. It wasn't until later and later on in my years, you know, that I understood, geez, the cops were only doing their job and that the presents were all stolen. So, <laughs> 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 you know, they, I, I understand it now, but back then I did it, you know. Uh, and my father was a bank robber. And that's what he did. And he he was uh, imprisoned when I was five, and he was sentenced to ten years. Uh, and I moved to my live with my salmon grandparents, in which they were quite they were really strict and staunch Seventh Day Adventists, but they spoilt me. And the reason they spoiled me is because they were so harsh, hard, but very strict on my parents. I'm oh, sorry on my on my dad, and, and he had uh, eight siblings, so they were quite strict. So on me, they were the opposite. You know, they they really spoiled me. So I came back when my father was released and after six years. And my parents were still together. We, they're still together now to this day. Been together since I think they were like 13, 14 years old. My mum was a street kid from uh, Hamilton. And I don't know how that she met my dad, but my dad was a ward of the state at nine. He burnt down his school. Um, it, just, it was just out there. you know. I, I could never imagine my father being like that. But again... With him, he went through all of that to so that he can help people too, and he's helping people with my sister's charity she started called Grace Foundation, look after people out of prison, homeless, and battered women, people with that the society is really forgotten about. So that's what he does, and he can relate to these people because he's been there and done it. So he's trying to show them a, a different road. Um, when he got out of prison, I, I, life was pretty normal for a while there, but. It, I never really wanted. I never used where I was from as an excuse, but I hated being poor. I hated not having stuff. I hated looking around and seeing, uh, you know, other people with nice shoes and all that sort of stuff, and and I didn't have it. So, but I didn't go to use it as a reason to go down the crime and do that. Um, I use it as motivation to to work hard, study hard, and also do well in sport. I was very blessed with another uncle who went totally the opposite direction. My dad's brother. He was a, He's a businessman and he was very successful. He was the boss of duty-free shoppers uh, back in the day. And I used him as my role model. I wanted to be like him. You know, I wanted to be successful like him. So I went to uni. It's about all I did, actually. I went there. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell that joke. <laughs> well,
0: I can relate, mate. I can relate.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and then, but, you know, I ended up playing league all around the world. But... There was times through that, that I went through some really mighty struggles when my, the first time I really went through something major in my adult life was when my father got uh, in prison for cultivating marijuana. And uh, look, I that was a really sad day for me. I remember my mum called me up because I was actually security at the warehouse. <laughs> <It was laughs> one of my day jobs, but uh, well, it was actually my night job. I had to stay there. Um, but I remember when I got the call not to go in um, because it was being raided. You know, and, I, and when I talked to at-risk youth, I really let them know that because uh, crime is glamorized often these days in music videos, movies, and you know, YouTube, social media. So I try to let them know the other side of crime and everything it took away from me, You know the pain it caused me. up. When that happened, I understood at 21 years old, I understood the repercussions of what was happening. Uh, I understood what I was going to mean to my mum and to my two younger sisters. So I ended up going right off the rails. Um, I quit uni. I quit my job. And I ended up living in a tinny house in Mangare with my cousins. There was heaps of us there. Um, And that was where I was. And I was just fighting all the time, just drinking and doing anything to survive. You know, just literally doing whatever I could to survive. Uh, and the reason I was doing that in my mind was in that life when the man goes away, you know, your family's open in, in that in that world. So you just never know, you know, my dad was very respected, but you just never know. So to me, I was just thinking, OK, I'm going to go out and just just be this the first time played a character. I'm just going to go out and be this real bad guy uh, and do anything I want to, to try and start up, create a rep on the streets. You know, and I actually got back to my uncle who was, my my other uncle was um, also a bank robber, but he was more specialized and focused on armored trucks. But, uh, you know, the the, the big jobs, you know, these weren't dairies. And he was in jail. He served 11 years straight in premium or maximum security. And the stuff that I was up to was getting back to him because I was trying to, I was just out there, really out there. But everything came to a head one night. I got drunk and I was at a party, and I came back, and there was a whole heap of stuff that happened. And I, I just, I, I picked up a knife and I put it through my chest, um, and that was the first time I really went through some dark times. But from that, uh, from that, I got out of hospital, and, and I remember my dad came and visited with prison guards. I, I was really angry at him. I didn't want to talk to him. My mum was there crying, and. I'd done psychology at uni, so I ended up, um, you know, when they come and evaluate you, I could just talk my way out of it, you know. And I remember being on this doorstep in Margaret, just after being released, and I just thought, man, surely my life's meant for more than this. Surely I can do more, you know. And I, was just, and I got up, and from that doorstep. Hey! My son, yeah. from the doorstep. I ended up playing rugby league uh, in for North Sydney Bears, contracted with Manly, played in France. From that doorstep, ended up you know doing very well in business, but I lost everything again. Yeah, so there's been a few times, and that's when I I came back here in 2014, broke, broken hearted, with no money, depressed, and had to rebuild. Yeah,
0: bro. Can I just go in on? You say it so casually now, I put a knife through my chest. (laughs) That's the lowest of low points that someone can possibly get to. And then you went, I I went and picked myself up and went to Australia and played league. And how did you pick yourself up? What were the steps from that point to getting to a point where you had a dream
1: again and you were back on track? I just had to stop feeling sorry for myself. Stop being angry at the world, you know and angry at everyone else and tell about it. Look, and I was very blessed with a, a very supportive family. Um, you know, my uncle that I talk about, the successful one, he was over in Singapore at the time that all this was going down. And I couldn't be contacted. We had no phone. There was no cell phones back then, If you know. Um, so I was pretty much uncontactable unless you come and see me. So he sent his son around to the house, to this house where I was, and. I don't forget it, the son, who was, you know, obviously they were doing quite well, so son had a cell phone. He comes into the room that I'm in and I'm rolling tinnies. I'm just going, man, smell this stuff, guys, this is awesome. And, and, um, and he puts his phone, me on the phone with his dad. And his dad just said, look, pack your bags, you're going to go to Australia and live with your um, aunties over there. And I said, oh, I've got no passport, uncle. Because now I've sent Jude uh, some money and you'll have an emergency passport. And so within a few days, I was, I was in Australia. And I was working on roofs over there. Um, I had a component out of in, in my weight and I was quite heavy in, but waterproofing roofs in a heat wave will definitely <laughs> shed the weight off you.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so that, that change of environment, that must have been a huge part of it, right? Getting out of, because it's very hard. I mean, speaking from my own experience anyway, when I've been stuck in ruts or had bad stuff going on in my own life, when everything around you is the same, it, it makes change awfully difficult. How important was that change of environment? and to get on and, and get into that next phase.
1: Yeah, it was a big part of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the major thing for me. I was That's why I was, I was very lucky to have a, a supportive family that could do that for me. Because, you know, if I'd stayed there where I was, uh, I would have been in jail or dead, you know. Yeah. And there was, like I said, there's a reason and for me, it's, you know, it's God's plan for me, because there's been a few times where, look, where I'm from and the stuff I've been through, the stuff I've done, uh, there's only one reason I'm not dead or in jail, and that's to help because I'm meant to be here to help others, you know.
0: Yeah, well, you're doing a good job of it, mate. <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy. It's hard for someone to to truly understand that, but I think it's so important at the moment, in particular, for people to understand that no matter how low you get, how how low how bad things seem, that there's a way out. For that person that's out there watching, like, there's going to be a lot of people in our communities and, and in our country over the coming twelve months that are going to endure some. Probably hardships that they haven't been through before, you know, unemployment, and stresses, you know, domestic violence has gone up and stuff like that. What I'm trying to just get, get really tangible advice for people because a lot of the time people see people like yourself who have stepped out of those things and they go, "Oh, he can do it, but but I can't," or "Yeah, yeah it's all good for him, but but I am here." And what, what do you say to those people, you know, who are either going through a tough time right now or are going to endure a tough time? those first steps, how do you mentally prepare yourself? How do you make the shift to, to start on a new track? Like, I know that you deal with people in this situation all the time when it comes to weight loss, but when someone's at the lowest of lows and there doesn't seem like there's a heap of hope and things are stressful, mm. what what are the first steps, bro?
1: Man, I'll, I'll use an example, a r- real-life example of someone I've helped him. You know, we've helped a lot of people. Um, and first of all, if I can do it, anyone can. You know, it's, you've just got to be willing to do it. Uh, because it's possible and we've shown that but there's a guy called Phil um, you may have followed him on Instagram he's a friend of mine very good friend of mine he was 295 kilos 295 kilos almost dead one foot in the grave when I met him I'd see him for a, a day and then I wouldn't see him for a week he'd be in hospital or at home elevating his leg had a massive lymphedema a massive lymphedema in, the, in his uh, in a in a quad and he couldn't hardly walk and he'd, he'd always have cellulitis. So the thing with him, when, when we really got serious in this journey, and he saw a, a guy that I was helping called Luke, who lost eighty kilos in a year. But the weight loss is a part of it. That's the wow factor, you know. But it's the whole life change, you know. He he's just got married. This guy Luke just got married. Beautiful wedding. Um, he's spending time with his family. Obviously a lot more now. But before uh, before he met me. He, he, he fell asleep at the wheel and, and, and rode off his car because he, he wasn't sleeping at night. He had bad sleep apnea. So he saw the work I was doing with Luke and he asked me if he can join us. This is Bill. So Phil joined us and before he did, I said, look bro, this is the most important thing I told him is you've just got to start. So we've got to start. That's the first thing for anyone here. you just so got what, to start. Whatever oh, it is, th-
0: just find the smallest thing that you can do to make progress and get that momentum. Is momentum a
1: big part of it? Stop thinking about it. We all think too much. You know, I'm going to start today. I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to start next week, next month, end of the year. I'm going to start in January. Just start. You know, don't overcomplicate it. There's, you know, we've got the amount of people that I've gone to visit in hospital, the family will ask me to come visit them. They'll give, they'll give anything. They'll give anything to have, to have an opportunity to go back in time and start. We all say it'll never happen to us until it does. You know, so the thing is just start. Now, the next thing is staying consistent. So once you start, it can just be walking to the letterbox. It can just be um, just moving, you know, just doing something, just walk, going in the direction. If you are looking need a job, you know, looking for work, just start doing something, okay? Going heading in the right direction and stay consistent. Don't give up, you know? And understanding that consistency is about, you yeah, doing a little something every day, but it's also understanding that you're gonna go through some tough times. And life's gonna happen, and you're gonna fall off the wagon. It's 100% normal. We are all gonna fall off the wagon. Something in life, it's guaranteed to it happen. It hasn't happened yet. It's gonna happen. Something in life is gonna happen, tough to you, and you can use that as a reason to stop or as motivation to keep going. Understanding that falling off is perfectly normal. Don't beat yourself up. You know how many of us in the past, are just in a fitness journey, where something we've had a bad day or we've had a bad meal, and we throw everything out. You know, throw our toys out the cot. You know, all you got to do is you fall off the wagon, you jump straight back on, that's consistency, you know, and forgiving yourself, don't beat yourself up, you know, this, this world's hard enough without beating yourself up, you know.
0: That's a huge part, that's a huge part of it right there, I think that's a, that's a skill in itself is the ability to forgive yourself, the ability to to not let something that's happening in the moment become something that happens again tomorrow and the next day and not let that spiral out of control. I know from a weight loss perspective, uh, you know, when you're coaching people and stuff, obviously getting people to just understand that, yeah, to to set realistic expectations for themselves that they're not going to be perfect all the time. But in life in general, that ability to forgive yourself and be kind to yourself is massive because we're our own biggest critics, right? And that inner dialogue is what stops so many of us doing anything.
1: Yeah, Mike King calls it the inner critic. And the inner critic in us can get louder and louder and louder if we let it. You know, So this the third, Just brings me to the third point is about surrounding yourself with positive people. So that's so important. And I said this to Phil. Okay, so Phil was doing his journey. He was coming to our boot camps, but he wasn't losing any weight. Nothing was changing. So I said to him, bro, if you want to hang around with me, if you want to do what I do and be in my circle, anyone, anyone of your friends, your so-called friends that are inviting you out to drink, inviting you out to eat rubbish, knowing you're nearly dead, you need to cut them because they're not your friends. And if they are your friends, they'll support you. Very important. I said, if you want to hang out with me, cut those people. And he did, and he's lost over 100, of, nearly 150 kilos now.
0: Yeah, his story's incredible. I followed his story. I know that he was in the boxing ring recently, and yeah. I don't know, mate. It's, it's something about when it's played out in public like that. I just have so much admiration for him and for what you guys do. Um, yeah. You know, to lose the weight is one thing. I know personally what it's like to lose that weight and what it does for the rest of your life. But to then go and step, have the confidence, the drive, the tenacity to go and get in a boxing ring is a whole another level, and that just shows what you're doing for people uh, in terms of the mental game and and the drive and the, the new zest for life that you're giving them.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, it's just the way we live. You know, that's our last point always for anyone out there that's listening is no excuses. No excuses. You know, it's our mantra. You know, that's what that means. X. You know, it's 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 easy to let excuses get in the way. You know, and it's easy to say no excuses. It's another thing to live by the way we live by it, and this is what all we all need to understand is by having a very strong why, uh, purpose. It sounds airy-fairy, but geez, it works. You know? For me, when I was going through everything that I went through uh, you know, when I moved back in 2014, I just thought of my kids all the time, all the time. You know, Literally, when I, when, I, when I was going through the early days, I wanted to drive into a pole every single day. I just hated my life that much. I couldn't believe how, 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 how I managed to stuff things up so badly. But I thought of my children and I thought of getting them back. I didn't have them with me at the time. I have them all back now. And I thought about being a better example. You know, and that's what drove me, got me up every day to go train and got me out every night to go train and and kept me from doing something silly.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Let's touch on the why, because I know that that's an important thing uh, across the board, not just health and fitness. When you're starting a business, when anything, when things are tough, you need to be able to draw on the reasons why you're doing it. And if... If those reasons are surface level, that's generally why you throw it in. How, what is there steps that you teach people in terms of act, or questions that people should ask themselves to actually get to that why? Because that's, again, a concept that you hear thrown around a lot. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and people go, yeah, I know I need to have a why, but they, they never get that level of depth. And it's often people who have had their back against the wall who have felt what it's like to have everything stripped away from them who, who grab onto a why more than others. So yeah. without getting your back against the wall, without – finding yourself in a position where you've lost everything and you don't have your children, what are the questions that you can ask yourself? What are the steps that you can take to, to establish that why?
1: And it's, for me, it's, it's quite simple what I get my team to do. I, I get them to write down on a piece of paper some, some really meaningful things to them. And then you try and choose one, if you can. And it will be hard to choose the, the one thing that means more to you than anything. You know, and it's... and it's, it's quite a hard thing to do. Some people might have to do two or three. And what I get them to do is what those one, two or three things is to write them in big, big letters and put it all around their house, on their wall when they first wake up, in the bathroom, definitely on the fridge and in the cupboard and in the car. You know, and seeing it, you're seeing it all the time. So when you wake up in the morning, you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're sore, life sucks at the moment and you look up and you see what that, whatever it is. And it's also understanding that everyone's different and it's not a competition as to who has the best why. <laughs> so some, some of us, it won't be our children, you know? And that's okay, it's, it's, it's you, it's whatever it is for you.
0: So a big, also, a big part of that, sorry to interrupt you, a big part of that from what I'm hearing is honesty. The ability yeah. to be honest with yourself. Yep. Not, not coming up with a why that you think people want to hear and doing it for external reasons, but the shit that means the most to you is important,
1: yeah? 100% man, and, and you know, look, it won't always work because we're not perfect, no one's perfect. So it won't, it won't always work, but if it is your why, it should always get you back on the wagon, straight away. If it is, if it's not, okay, if you look, if you're falling off the wagon and you look at something you've written down that's meant to mean something to you and it does nothing, you gotta go back to that piece of paper and rethink it. A hundred percent.
0: talk. let's talk about your journey from coming back from Australia and into boxing because I'm a huge boxing fan. I've always been a boxing fan. That's how I first uh, came across you it was your first fight. I think that, that was televised. Um, I've had a couple of corporate fights. I've been around boxing. I know how intimidating it is to get in the ring. I can't imagine stepping in the ring at the weight that you were at on national television. That takes a lot of courage. Can you talk me through that journey from coming back from Australia? I know that you had some difficult conditions. You came back. You weren't in a good state. Um, you know, you were overweight, about 220 kilos from what I understand. Uh, you ended up sort of sleeping on a family member's bed that you didn't fit on. There's an amazing story to that. And uh, in that process, you took the opportunity that was given to you to take a, a lifeline that was through boxing. Uh, and realistically, that's a big part of why you're here today. Can we talk about that journey? Because it's one that puts makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand
1: up. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I wasn't the best boxer, but I definitely done the best I could. And it was a good... Story of you know, my story is a good advertisement for boxing because it shows that you can turn your life around. Because boxing boxing gets a lot of uh, bad rap sometimes, but you know, you can genuinely turn your life around through boxing. The way I got into it is I was in Germany. Dave Higgins, I grew up with him, he was a good friend of mine, uh, my one of my best friends. He knew how, I was, how down I was, so he was Joseph Parker was fighting in Germany. So he asked if he goes, Dave, if you want to come to Germany? I said, Of course, you know, it's a free trip, and he goes, Well. You better train hard because I'm not paying business class for you to go to Germany. Because when he brought me back from Australia, he brought me over a business class because I could have I fit an economy. So I tried, st- and all I was doing was walking. I started walking twice a day, you know, and stopped drinking fizzy drinks and, and, and stopped eating rubbish. Uh, I got to Germany and over there, ahead of German boxing, that you know, they were just never seen a large tattooed islander with a shaved head before, so... I was a bit of a spectacle there and they they dragged me through this audience like at the weigh-in like I was a uh, prized elephant by the trunk. They threw me on the scale and I was excited because I didn't know what I weighed. E- every scale I jumped on just said error back home, you know, so I jumped on and I was 178 kilos and I was over the moon, you know, I was so happy. I was you know, like, doing these ones on the on the scale and everyone else was just going, man, you're so fat, you know, and they're just laughing at me. And I was going, on the man, on the man, you know, stuff you see on YouTube, you know, with the boxes. And that's when Dave had the idea. Man, he goes, That's what you're gonna do. That's what you're gonna do for us. You're gonna come back. It'll motivate you to lose some weight, we'll chuck you on a card. You're just gonna play a character, play a play a bad guy, basically. Just be the most arrogant boxer you can be. You know, talk about yourself in the third person. you do whatever you wanna do, you <laughs> know. And I came up with the name brown butterbean, because there was a a white boxer, quite a famous guy in America called Butterbean. Big, fat and white, and I was big, fat and brown. So, they called me Brown Butterbean. And um, look, that's how it started, and they threw me on that card, that first bite. I ended up weighing 168 kilos, but I was, uh, look, you know, I played the character to a T, and I got a lot of hate from it because it was quite publicized. Uh, I was getting death threats all the time. You know, people would say oh, I'm, a, I'm a disgrace to all Pacific Islanders and Maldives. You know, the worst one I ever got was someone said they'll send me rope to hang my family with. And what you got to understand is when this was all happening, I was depressed. I didn't have my kids. I was living in a, I was living in a community home at this point on a mattress on the ground. And I was getting all of this hate every single day. And um, I got into the fight. I ended, up, I ended up winning. And because of the stir I caused, Duco were quite happy and they kept putting me on. So, But I had to keep one-upping every every performance, every press conference, because look, Joseph Park is the main attraction. So if I just do nothing, I won't get any coverage. You know, and, and I understood, I didn't know I was gonna be doing what I'm doing now, but I understood I needed coverage. I needed media attention to so I can launch into whatever I end up deciding to do. You
0: know? How did you get out with the public scrutiny? Because I, I remember that very vividly. I remember watching you, uh, and some people loved you and loved the circus act at the beginning and it got as it as it went on people the respect grew because people saw your journey unfold in front of them and it was impossible not to respect you towards the end no matter where people started but when you're getting death threats and you're getting more negative feedback than positive feedback how do you cope with that because I reckon I know from personal experience and you know from looking out there that one of the main things that holds people back is the fear of uh, embarrassment, the fear of looking stupid, the fear of putting themselves out there. People literally sit on their dreams for their entire lives because they're scared of being judged by other people. Mm. Uh, how did how did you cope with that? Because you put yourself out there on the biggest stage possible, it was televised live mm. professional sport, and you said it. You you know, the, uh, initially it was a circus act, and you had to play a villain, and you pissed a lot of people off, and and you copped it. Yeah. How did you get? How did you get through that?
1: Man, I just used it as motivation. I used it as fuel. You know, and I, I, you know, it made me angry, you know, reading the comments, you know, it was hard. And it was especially hard for my my parents and my sisters, you know, to read the some of the, it was just really bad comments, but you know, when I go back and I watch now what I was doing, it was pretty out there, you know, so I don't blame people for doing it, but I used it really, and that's why I say to everyone, never use it as a reason to stop. You know, use it as fuel to keep it going.
0: That's a massive point right there because I think so often, particularly in the personal development industry and things, everything's positive and rosy and people are always talking about positive thinking and that, but there's power and anger when it's mm. used right. It's yeah, destructive man. when it's used wrong, but when you can channel it in the right ways, it is the fastest way to get somewhere and to do something good, and you've done that. So that's an incredibly important point.
1: Yeah, man, I just I used it to just push me, keep pushing me. And look, again, it comes back to I had a very strong purpose and my why was really strong. And so, you know, I just used it to fuel the fire. I said, okay, yep, yep, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you all, you know. I, I And look, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was going to do, that I'd be doing this now. But I, I just knew that I was destined for something better than what I was doing. So I just, uh, you know, and I was embarrassed. Embarrassing playing, this, doing the stuff I had to do, but I knew it was going to lead me to something. Had no idea what, but you know, here I am.
0: That's amazing. What was it like dealing with, like, just the story aside, the fear of walking out into I mean, people are scared of, you know, people are scared of this coronavirus at the moment. People Fear stops people in their tracks every single day. Stepping into a boxing ring is one thing. Stepping into a boxing ring on live television, were you scared?
1: Yeah, man, um, I was, you know, especially, you know, some of the guys I fought, like, that first guy I fought, Horst. you know, um, had a really fearsome reputation, you know, and he's a good guy, but, you know, we had a fierce reputation in shape and it was scary and anyone who says they're not scared is um, you know I think you know not telling the truth but um you just it's just how you use it you know what I mean and before every fight even up until my later fights when I you know I was fighting all the time um I'd always be dry wrenching you know right before I walked out you know and I, and he used those nerves, you know, because it was also I knew that I had to once I once I went through the curtain, I I was playing a character, just like a wrestler, you know, I was playing the heel, uh, and then but then as it as my career went on, then I I was starting to be myself more, but just still being cheeky, you know, still doing that little cheeky stuff and that you know, but then in the end, you know, like it was funny when I, I lost that last fight, you know, I got um you know, put down. I, I, I never used it as, a I like, okay, well, this, it does suck getting knocked down, but I've got to practice what I preach here and not stay down and not worry about it, you know? So I just got up and moved on, you know?
0: Yeah, amazing. Because you had some good, some amazing moments during your boxing career as well. I mean, I think your last fight from memory was, uh, was that on the Ruiz Parker undercard for the world title fight? Was that the last fight that you had or close to, towards the end of your
1: career There It was my last proper fight. I mean, I I had a fight, I think, when did I fight Marnie, But year and a bit ago now, or a year ago, fought Vata by him. That's right. So, uh, and he, he was one that KO'd me. Um, but I fought uh, on the undercard for that championship fight. That was How amazing. was that,
0: man? What was that like as an experience? Because oh, it's a huge stage and I know you and Joe are good friends and you, you guys shared a lot of your journey. He would have been a big part of your journey, I assume, behind the scenes. Um, it must have been amazing to, to witness that moment firsthand and be a part of it.
1: It was amazing, man. Look, to... I only started boxing in 2014 to get my life back together. To be able to fight on the world championship with. and Joe was fighting for the world title, it was just an amazing feeling and he won it. And really, that I should have left it there like because that was my last fight and then I come back and, and did the Manu one. I should have left it at that one but that's the way it is, you know. Um, but it was just surreal, man. It was just unbelievable, yeah.
0: At, at what point during that journey did uh, Butterbean Motivation surface? I, I remember seeing... They started promoting the Facebook page, um, definitely a few fights before you finished. Was there a point in time that you remember where you were like, I know what I'm gonna do and how I'm gonna use this attention?
1: Uh, not really. I started the BBM page, Butterbean Motivation, early in the journey, uh, maybe two or three fights into the career because every time I was fighting, I was losing weight. So I mean, I didn't stop working, man. I was like training all the time. I was never having an off time. So I fight and I'm straight away, the next day I'm training and I'm still watching what I eat, you know, I'll have a treat after the fight and enjoy myself, but straight the next day I'm back on it. Um, And then maybe the third fight in, people were asking, man, you know, amongst the hate mail, I was getting messages like, how are you doing this? What's the secret? You know, (laughs) everyone thinks it's a secret. But um, so I started up the group BBM on Facebook as a private group, it's still private now. As a place I could be myself because, in the public eye on all my other profiles, I was being an egg and I was being that arrogant character. Um, so, I started that page so I could be myself, and that now has I think uh, nearly 14,000 members and it's still private. Uh, that's how we started that, and it was a place where I could, just like a blog, you know, where I could share my this is what I'm doing today, this is the eating, what I'm eating. If you want to come join me, the train is what I'm doing. And then we started our boot camps by my, me helping my father-in-law's friend. Um, and it wasn't a boot camp, it was my father-in-law. You know, I've got a, a wife, you know, I met a new a girl called Kareem. We are living with her parents and she, the guy asked me if I can help with his, his friend. So we helped his friend, there was three of us there. And now, you know, it's gone to this huge, huge movement. Because I started from there and I said, I wonder if anyone else wants to come. That was my thought process. So I invited people to come. Anyone to West Auckland wants to come. This is what I'm doing. I'm training this guy here a couple of times a week. We started in South Auckland in a driveway. I was training one lady there in a driveway in her house, and I said, to, "Oh, wonder if anyone else wants to come." You know. So, um, and that's that's what's made this huge movement.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. So let, let's go to the movement then, because that naturally follows on. But. People see now, uh, I mean, it's the biggest fitness movement in New Zealand. It's definitely the most heart-centered fitness movement in New Zealand. Um, you've gone out there and you've created free resources, and free boot camps and free community for probably some of the most vulnerable vulnerable people in New Zealand. Uh, I know having been in the fitness industry uh, as a trainer, we've run businesses in the fitness industry, how much energy it takes because you're pouring your energy into people all day long. You're, mm-hmm. you're the person that has to show up for people. You're the person that has to lead and you have to give your energy to people. People see the success of it now. Talk about what's been the hardest thing about growing that movement.
1: Oh, man. The hardest, the hardest, well, there's, there's a lot. But, uh, look, really, you know, for me, it's about serving people. Um, you know, I don't believe we're in the fitness industry. I think uh, we're in the health industry. Um, you know, and we use exercise as our vehicle, but, you know, we say it's a free boot camp. To get people there, because if you say it's a free mindset session, no, not many people are going to come. You <laughs> <So, laughs> know, um, but you know, we come there while people are there. We're seeding, we're seeding all the time. Positive messages, re- reaffirming positive messages, getting them around good people. You know, getting their kids, showing their kids, um, you know, exercise, letting the kids see their parents working out, having the kids work out with us. So we have all these kids working out with us, letting our children see it's okay to fall over. You know, it's, it's okay to, to fail because our kids are scared of failing. They have no resilience. So we're, we're building that in them. And the hardest thing for me to build to where we are now, um, it's just, you know, like you're saying, you know, doing it every day, you know, and you, you give so much every day you're giving to people. And it's not just with our physical boot camps. It's online, you know, I'm very accessible. And, you know, I'm contacted all the time about issues and people, you know, from people that... Um, you know, suicidal to to people with no food and no money, but, you know, they're they're pouring their hearts out to me and I'm doing my best to help them. That's hard. And it's especially hard when you're also going through your life. And, you know, you might be having a bad day and you've got issues in your family, but you still got to turn up and you still got to lead others and you still got to be positive for others. The way around that for me was just being, um, you know, admitting it, you know, and talk about it. And I'll admit that, geez, you know, today has been really hard for me. So when we do our boot camps, we'll, we'll, we'll start with a little bit of a talk where we, we talk about what we're going to do and we welcome our newcomers and do the best you can. When we're training, we're seeding the whole time. Then at the end of it, I'll always have a talk. You know, that talk might be five, ten minutes. And I'll talk about that might be my journey, might be someone else's journey, might be, can be anything. But I'll, if I'm having a bad day, I'll talk about it. And I'll say, look, this is what I've gone through today. I really didn't want to come here. I wanted to give up. I wanted to not, you know, but I didn't and i kept turning up and boy i'm glad i did you know and and people resonate with that you know and then the hardest thing to date is being keeping it going in terms of financially because it's a hard road you know like we got a hq now in medical costs a lot of money and what other pts because like you say they'll see what we do and they go man this guy must be creaming it all those people they go oh 10 bucks a head oh yep (laughs) Um, But when they come and they see and and I say you see all those people in there We might have 200 people in one session. I say not one cent is coming out of them. I'm not charging anyone anything, but this building here cost me a lot of money You know over a hundred thousand a year the building, you know what I mean? Um, And people can't can't get their head around that, you know, so that's the hard thing for me is getting getting funding To keep our movement going and for to also, you know feed my family 100%
0: 100% and that must be a huge part of why it's been so successful though because a lot of the people that you have through the doors uh, At the beginning of their journey potentially don't value what you do uh, In the way that they do once they have been through and experienced it And so if there was a $10 per head, how much of your uh, client base would turn up in the first place?
1: Uh, yeah, well, you know, look money for most of my clients My people, and uh, you know, boldy PI We're doing it, most of us do it very hard, you know, especially in our South Auckland and some parts of West, you know, and look, it's not just multi PI, most people are living week to week. Some of us day to day, you know, so to spare $10, you know, even though they might go and spend it on takeaways, to to, to spend it on fitness, you know, I think it it would have been a big obstacle. So what I'm trying to do is take away and strip away the obstacles, you know, Um, and Look, you're not gonna you're not gonna have everyone stay with you, but people who really buy into it and believe in it, um, it works if you do, you know. And and it's we've created what society is missing in these days, you know. Maybe this will bring it back with what we're going through now, where you know the old saying it takes a baby to uh, takes a village to raise a baby, you know. You had you used to have the whole family helping a lady to raise a baby, helping the family. That's gone because everyone's worried and just trying to grind for themselves to so you can survive. You know, you got both parents working long hours. They come home. Last thing they want to do is cook a cook a healthy dinner to sit at the table with family with the kids. You know, that's gone. What we've done is brought that back. Where with we belong to something positive. You know, like a like a village in an islands or, or a marae here. We just belong, and it's positive.
0: So that sense of community is a the the pillar stone that keeps this whole thing together. Eh? That's what because. There's a strange bond, or a strong bond that is built through exercise. Like you walk into a boxing gym once you've been there for a while, that's like the best camaraderie that you can get. Same with a rugby team. Same with. There's something about physical fitness and sharing those
1: that, yeah.
0: that experience together that creates an amazing group of people. Um, and so that community has been the most important part in this, and that you've you've managed to keep it front of mind the whole time. Like you, you. It's very hard, especially when you're trying to build a business. And you've got all your financial stuff that you've got to worry about to not go towards monetization. Like that's an incredibly hard thing to do. And so you have managed to keep it community focused the whole time, which I give you massive respect for. How can people help out? Like Moving forward, what are the goals for BBM? Where, where do you want to take it? What do you, I know that this last couple of weeks will have been a big reset and you've probably got new ideas and potentially a new direction for things. But what are your goals um, over the coming couple of years?
1: Look, we want to be the the cornerstone of health for our people in uh, in South Auckland, especially, um, but but everywhere. What we what we do should be everywhere. So we want to have HQs everywhere, you know, in New Zealand. Uh, so what we're doing to to do that is we need obviously funding. So um, what I realise is, you know, when I'm going to these funding meetings and asking for money. It's hard for these people when they look at me. Just they look at me, and I turn up just from a boot camp, you know. And they'll see, and I'll, you know, they'll see a brown guy helping other brown guys, you know, other overweight brown people. That's what they'll see. So are they going to give that person, you know, a million dollars or whatever? You know, whatever you're asking for, ten thousand. Yeah. So it was a lot harder. And then they asked for data. You know, when I'm starting off just in a training people in a field, I had no idea it'll turn into what we're doing now. So I wasn't collecting data. You know, I was taking heaps of before and afters and heaps of photos and, you know, people would say to me, where's your dad?" I said, well, you know, real naively would say to them, do not follow me on Facebook? You know, That was my answer. Um, so what I've done is built infrastructure around me where now we've got three full-time employees uh, and I've got my uncle. My uncle was the CEO. My uncle I was talking about before. He was the CEO of Restaurant Brands. That's so right. Yeah, no, it's a laugh. It was so funny. He was the CEO of Richard Brands, which is KFC, Pete's Heart, Carl Juniors, And, and uh, oh, geez, that was funny. And he's seen the light now, and he's working for us full-time. And he's now really steering the ship, so i got a full-time chief executive for free. You know, he's just doing stuff that makes his heart and soul feel good. So he's really steering the ship, and it leads me to be on the front line with what I'm doing, trying to keep keep our brand up there, you know, trying to get in the media. Um, and that's sort of my role. And with just about up the course, which will be NZQA approved to train personal trainers how to do what we do because it's not the exercise. You know, it's, it's, it's that's only our vehicle. It's everything else, the culture that we do. So that, that way we can then spread.
0: That's awesome, man. That's fantastic. It's so funny that your uncle has gone from, because you're quite outspoken. Obviously, you're in a, a war against fast food groups in some way, or yeah. form. Um, it's ironic that you've got that insight in your business all of a sudden. That must be beneficial.
1: Yeah, it's funny when he got the job because he kept it quiet. And I said to him, I'm going to have to start paying me hush money now. <laughs> I'll stop rubbishing you guys. You start funding me some money. <laughs> so- hey,
0: well, well, we're on the health and fitness stuff, uh, right now is the best time ever to be prioritizing your health and fitness. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stress and a lot of uncertainty, but there's no ability to go out and get takeaways at the moment. There's a... Uh, not, not a whole lot of activities to distract yourself with. We can't go out and socialize with our friends. And so there's a lot of people out there who will hopefully listen to this or come across your message during this time who um, have potentially put off their health and fitness uh, and sacrificed it for work and family and everything else. What What are the, having worked with so many people now and seen so much, what are the steps that people should take in order to actually get on top of it? Because health and fitness is something that people, want everyone wants it but very few people actually go and make meaningful change in that area it's hard and like you've said there's no there's no uh there's no shortcuts despite the industry trying to market that all the time so based on everything that you've learned over the last few years from your own journey and from helping you know thousands of people transform what are the first steps that people should take to really prioritize their health and and actually
1: get some results yeah man look this is the perfect time it's the perfect environment actually because there's no takeaways open and it's hard to go to the supermarket and bury, you know, you got to line up. So you want a peanut slab, which is my favorite peanut slabs. You want a peanut slab, you got to be willing to go and line up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want it that bad. So now's the perfect time. And, and I said to a lot of people, you know, come out of this isolation better than you went in, you know, for, and setting, setting a goal, an achievable goal, you know, through this isolation to come out achieving it. So for me, it was being, I never stretch. It's a bad habit, I, I haven't stretched properly since I played rugby league a long time ago. So I never stretch, I don't warm up. I'll, my warm up is I slam down some shots of coffee, I go in I smash training, and then I then I never warm down, never stretch, straight to the cafe and then I complain I'm sore. Uh, so my goal was to be able to come out of this uh, being able to touch my toes. So I started up, uh, got sent to one of a good friend of mine who knows I don't stretch and Nikki's her name, she sent me she also knows I love a challenge, and she knows my attention span is not very long, so she challenged me to be able to touch my toes. Then she sent me a five-minute yoga video uh, to, to do every day, and um, you know, in five days I touch my toes so I can get my, my forehead to touch my knees. Um, so I set that little goal you know, and, and, and challenged myself to do it. So for anyone out there that's looking at, okay, now I want to use this time, I've I got to get healthy, I know I do. Like I said before, just start, you know. Stop thinking about it. Don't overcomplicate it. Go for a walk, you know, <laughs> around your block. You know, go for 10 minutes. Walk for five minutes and turn around and come home. You know, and then start start building on that bit by bit. A lot of us, we go too hard, too fast. You know, you would have seen all the time in, in the um, fitness industry. Everyone's all about it when they start. And then it fizzles out, you know. You start slow, build on it, build on it, build it. It's taken me five years to get where I am. So just that—that's the main piece of advice. Use this time to come out of it. Look, this, we're all stressed. We're all stressed, and we all—the uncertainty of if you're a business owner or if you're an employee—we're all stressed about it. That stress is not going to go away. It's still going to be there. So you've got to prepare yourself physically and mentally. More importantly, to be able to come out of this and handle whatever's out there waiting for us, because it's going to be there regardless. You can either uh, come out of this stronger physically and more mentally, or you can come out of this. M- more unfit and more mentally weak. Yeah. So it's that saying that Oprah said, you know, there's you a moment and a choice, you a moment and a choice. Which choice is going to be? You
0: know. I couldn't agree with you more on the mental side. I mean, because I think the mental shift's the biggest one. We've already touched on that. What? How do people? How do people build that mental strength? How do you? How do you shift your mindset? I know that naturally when you start to lose weight and you see results, <laughs> the mindset shifts. But there has to be a shift in mindset first. What's your yeah. advice around that?
1: Well, we, we, we use it around training. So even for our beginner sessions, you know, we have beginner sessions, 11 o'clock every day, uh, Monday to Friday. And what I'm saying is every time you don't give up, you get a little bit more mentally tough, you know, every time you don't give up and that's, that's all it is. So it's bit by bit by bit, gradually, every little, every time you want to give up and you, and then, but then you do one more rep. That's a little bit more mentally tough. You know, that's, that's, that's all it is. Just, You just exercise is the easy part. Using exercise and all everything you learn from getting through a workout, you apply it to your life. You know, life's exercise is hard. You might go through a hard set, life's hard. I got through this exercise, I got through that set, I can get through life.
0: That's right, I love that. Look, I'm going to be respectful of your time. I know that you've got a busy afternoon, so just got one or two more questions just to fire off um, before we finish up. But I really appreciate your time. If you had three bits of advice that you could be remembered for, uh, things that you've learned to be true through your experiences, the things that have helped you the most, that you think would be the most beneficial three pieces of advice to pass on to people, what would they
1: be? Ooh, three. <laughs> uh, look, for me, I don't know if I have three. At just. But we'll start. Like for me, the most important thing has been uh, being kind to people. and and being understanding, you know, that not judging, you know, it's another one of our mantras. It's no excuses and also no judgments. We don't judge anyone. You don't know what they're going through, you know, so just understanding that. So don't judge people, you know, and 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 the next thing is when you achieve something, you know, when we say if we, what we do in our training is we might run around a block, okay, once all the fit guys get there, the faster guys get there, they have to come all the way to the back, to the last person walking, and walk with that person home. So what we say is, when you get there, turn around and help others home. That's all I'm doing. You know, I've gotten to where I want to be in terms of my health and, and and what we're doing. So now I'm turning around and I'm helping others get to get there as well. You know, and I guess the and the last thing is helping, serving people, serving your community, serving people. I can't tell you the feeling and how good it makes you feel if you help someone you know and this world that the, the joy you get from being able to help someone it can be any it can be small just a little bit small to you might be huge to them bringing someone else joy that's amazing you know and we need more joy in the world so there you go that's that's those are three you, ones go, bro. you
0: nailed three and they were powerful <laughs> hey i just want to take a moment to acknowledge you man I like i said i've followed your journey from you know its inception with the boxing stuff um I was, as a boxing fan, I was always very intrigued as to what was going on there. But I was also aware, um, having been overweight myself, having been through those similar struggles, how much courage it takes to put yourself in that position, uh, to then learn more about your story and then see what you've gone on to do, the amount of people that you've impacted, the families that you've changed. Because it's not just about changing one person and helping them get fit. When you do that, they go home, they'll be a better father, a better parent, they become a better person at work. And that has a huge ripple effect in the community. And you've got tens of thousands and currently online hundreds of thousands of people around this country that you're impacting in a positive way. And I know how much energy that takes. I know how much uh, of your life that takes up, particularly with your family and things like that. Uh, And I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you do, mate, because I think uh, more people can follow your lead. Uh, Me starting this podcast, for example, is looking at how I can serve people, how I can put good information in the hands of people that need it. Uh, a lot of that inspiration has come from watching what you do and what other people in the space are doing, uh, and so I just want to take a minute to say thank you. It's it's not every day that people pour themselves into people like you do, uh, and I know that it's rewarding, and I know that you get a lot back from it. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that, mate, because I personally appreciate it you've inspired me a lot, and uh, I hope you I hope you can take some time during lockdown to look at that ripple effect and, and really quantify how many lives you've changed.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate those kind words, bro. How uh, we keep we keep going, man, and like you know, keep doing what you're doing and inspiring people. And you know, the most important thing is we lead by example.
0: That's right, bro. One question to finish up: what um, What does it mean to you to have lived life to the fullest? Like people talk about living life to the fullest. Uh, the name of this podcast is going to be Life Livers, and it's about capturing the stories of people who are out there living amazing lives and inspiring lives. What does it mean to you to have lived life to the fullest?
1: or man, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed, you know, and I've seen so much death with what I do, you know, and death too early. So for me, living life to the fullest is making the most of every day, obviously, but enjoying your loved ones, you know, because, you know, we lost my sister to cancer. Um, you know, It's I've been thinking about her a lot, you know, and we'll never get those moments back, you know, that we had, so make the, for me, living life to the fullest is making sure you enjoy your loved ones you know and tell them you love them and spend time with them and I'm hoping you know that's one of the biggest things I'm enjoying out of this isolation is sitting down at night and having dinner with my whole family and enjoying time you know that's, that's the most important thing for me
0: fantastic Dave Telly, everyone thank you so much for your time man I really appreciate it I know how much you've got on your plate right now bro and uh, yeah I just really appreciate you taking the time I could have sat and talked to you for hours
1: <laughs> thank you brother much love bro much respect thank you